I'm Franny Matthews, President and CEO of Colorado Technology Association, and you're listening to Colorado Voices on Tech, a podcast dedicated to getting to know the leaders and innovators driving advancement in our community through technology. Welcome, Josh. I'm really excited that we have an opportunity to chat today. Josh, Amp Robotics won Company of the Year in 2022 for the Apex Awards that CTA gives out. I am obviously a huge fan of what you all are doing, but a lot of our listeners don't know about Amp Robotics. Can you chat a little bit about just the company and your mission? Absolutely. Thanks, Franny. It's great to be here. Um, Amp Robotics is a robotics company that has uh, created some technology that really helps in the recycling space. So we essentially use AI-powered automation to help uh, more economically sort and uh, improve recycling systems. Uh, That AI technology that we've uh, created and and deployed, we use that to uh, essentially look at different images of recyclable materials on conveyor belts. Um, I think of that as the eyes of the system. The camera then perceives that material, passes it to a neural network, and that neural network will actually identify that material by color, shape, sizes, um, textures, logos. And then we can make an assessment of whether or not that material is plastic, aluminum, paper, cardboard, or um, even down to the levels of plastic, PET, which is plastic number one, or HDPE. Um, It'll sort those different materials. And then we use robots to actually harvest those materials. So it pulls it out of the waste stream. So as I, as I was sort of using that analogy earlier, the camera is the eyes, the neural network is the brain of the system, and the robots are the hands and arms of the system, which help us to pull that out of the waste stream. Well, and, and we know that machine learning and AI gets better over time. So what are you seeing as you started this process and, and the improvement over time? Sure. Well, and actually, that's one of the real uh, amazing parts of the system is Amp Robotics has now close to 300 systems deployed in the field. And all of those images that we're capturing allows the AI and the machine learning algorithms to constantly retrain themselves. So the AI digitizes those images. And then we basically use that to help us continuously improve. Because as you think about recyclables, um, you know, Coca-Cola cans might have a Christmas version. So we have to make sure that we still can get those in the next time around. So uh, all that data that we have collected, all of those material images, that data becomes um, an ever-expanding neural network that uh, adapts to the changes in the material stream. Um, And then, and quite honestly, there's huge opportunities as the world of uh, recycling gets more sophisticated and actually can identify what's in the waste stream to use that data to help um, producers and people who make all this packaging um, be a little bit more responsible. Uh, makes sense. Um, it, it, it's it's an inspired um, purpose. Uh, w- when you look at it from a, the genesis of the company, is there something that the the founder said, "Wow, this is what we need to do. This is a big problem," and and we think. Um, we- yeah, for sure. It's, uh, Matanya Horowitz is our, our CEO and founder. Um, he uh, was definitely, when he was young, inspired by robots. I think we all are in some way, shape, or form. Robots are such a part of popular culture. Um, his favorite were the Transformers. Um, we've, in our headquarters here in Louisville, Colorado, we've actually named all of our conference rooms after robots. So I'm sitting in a conference room that's named after a Transformer right now. Um, so that's uh, definitely part of the inspiration. 
Um, but then while Matanya was studying uh, for his PhD in controls and dynamic systems at uh, Caltech, he actually read some papers on uh, deep learning and some of the early stages of using vision systems to actually help identify uh, anything, not just waste in the, in the stream. Um, I think that's, uh, that sort of inspired him to look for places where this deep learning technology could be applied. And he came across the recycling industry as sort of a more industrial uh, sort of traditional industry that was lacking this technology and really could benefit from this. Um, industrial uh, recycling, you know, has challenges with the quality of the materials being separated. Um, you know, we've all gone to single stream where the waste comes into uh, one facility and people have to sort those. So not only is it a very challenging job for people, uh, but their capability of sorting at a high level uh, can be improved with robotics. Um, it unlocked value for these facilities. You know, you've got these uh, heterogeneous uh, mixed streams of waste coming in with all kinds of stuff that's challenging to separate from. Robots really offered opportunities to do that at a um, much more economical uh, rate, as well as uh, maybe limiting some of the challenges from human labor perspective. Yeah, and I had read uh, a few years ago, actually, about the pro the problem of dirty recycling. Does this uh, does amprobotics help in separating that on on just debris that's in there that that uh, is not going to be recyclable because it's just too dirty? Uh, well, it could. Uh, the core technology works across the board. It depends on what the application is specifically. Um, so, yes, for sure, dirty recycling or um, there's something called a MRF or material recovery facility uh, that connotates that you bring not just single stream recycling through, but other recycling like municipal solid waste and can separate from that. The technology mm -hmm. has potential to get into that for sure. Uh, to date, we've really been focused around single stream and secondary sort recycling and not quite as much into that space, but uh, the core technology, the ability to identify what's in the waste stream could be applied to lots of places. Uh, so I think as it continues to mature, you'll see that uh, getting better. Uh, the challenge, of course, is um, it's so varied and, and you actually have to separate and segregate yeah. the material so that you can see it. So if stuff's coming through on a, a, a deep uh, path, a lot of material on the belt, uh, it's very difficult to see. So uh, we're solving sort of for the technology of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, as well as the technology of robotics, as well as the technology of industrial automation and how you actually process this stuff. Yeah, well, and it seems like that's where you're going to get your biggest bang. I mean, 300 implementations is a lot. Um, so when you see uh, the ability to scale this to really make an impact on the industry, what's your optimistic view of where we can go with this? I, the the amazing maybe part realistic about realistic view, <laughs> both. I think optimistic and realistic are both within the realm of possibility. Uh, the technology's come so far, and um, you know, I think from a, a perspective of how we could change the industry, um, you know, this is an industry that needed an efficiency bump. Uh, I think that uh, robotics can help with that. It's relied on uh, manual labor that really became challenging, obviously, over the last few years to to you know, secure manual labor. It's it's an environment that can be, um, you know, dirty and dangerous at times. Um, these facilities have staffing issues. Uh, this is a technology that can unlock um, 
taking the folks that that work in this space who are amazing people and uh, get them into higher value, higher skilled positions inside your facilities and allowing them to continue to improve that. Um, that's just the beginning of it. Once you get into um, how you actually can see what's in the waste stream, I think you can help people uh, with this data provide even better systems uh, and, and processes for recycling and also make more intelligent decisions about what they use their packaging for. Yeah, I, um, I, I was also wondering about, you know, we talk about the cameras being the eyes, but we have a lot of senses as humans. Are there other things that are uh, you would see important in incorporating like weight, for instance? For sure. We can, we do a lot. Weight's important, but actually I think one of the real areas, uh, technologies that are continuing to be unlocked is using different hyperspectral technologies to look at the waste stream. Um, visual uh, systems are what we use today. Uh, the same sort of uh, technology that our eyes use to see whether it's plastic or metal. Um, and you can go even further. You can use infrared, near-infrared technologies to really sort, um, even at a higher accuracy rate, which the higher you're capable of sorting these things accurately, the better the um, processors of the material that you sort are going to be able to create a high quality recycled materials that can be used in industry again. So it's it becomes a virtuous cycle. As you can sort better, you get better recycled materials, more people want the recycled materials, and the process continues to go along. Interesting. What about plastic bags? That seems to be a real, we're all worried about plastic bags. It is one of the banes of the existence of the waste industry, actually. And it's one of those things I didn't even realize until I became a part of this industry and, and joined Damp Robotics. Um, this is a, a material that causes a lot of problems with processing the recycling and processing the waste. The, the material blocks our view of some of this stuff. Um, it can carry along other other materials and, and challenges. It also causes challenges for the industrial equipment. The, the bags will bind with bearings and cause you to have other downtime issues. Uh, the, the industry's developed a lot of solutions for trying to segregate that and pull that out. None of them are great. AMP recently actually just announced uh, a new uh, technology, a new custom-built robot called Vortex, which is specific for that. And um, if we're able to really get this deployed widely, I think that the um, plastic bags or, or LDPE type material could actually be really valuable material if we can actually sort it clean. So first thing is get it out of the stream so that you don't have the challenges to harvesting the rest of the, the recyclable materials. But the second is as you get better and better quality of the material sorted, maybe you could actually use it for stuff, uh, use it for other applications. Uh, so we're looking at both. Uh, but our real mission is getting that material captured. And, and that's uh, part of what our new Vortex product is all about. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, I, I'm also interested in the economics of it. So uh, when you look at this, it looks like you're increasing the efficiency tremendously, which usually translates into a better ROI. Where are we from an ROI perspective? And where does that come from? Does it come from the usability of the materials that come out in the improvement there, or does it, you know, uh, just in the process itself? 
I think there's a bunch of things when you think about sort of ROI. There's the return on investment of simply sort of a, a labor replacement robotic solution. Um, you know, you get uh, a robot that actually can, it doesn't get tired. You can you can typically justify your investments based on, um, you know, replacing very high cost um, and very, uh, or probably not high cost, but very challenging to procure labor in challenging environments and use that labor for even more valuable applications. I think that's probably the number one technology or ROI approach that most people are taking initially. Uh, the second part, though, becomes what you can actually recover from this material. Uh, so by improving the the purity of the material you recover, by improving the uh, efficiency of, of picking the materials, you get a faster pick rate uh, that makes those materials that much more valuable to these companies as well. Um, materials, though, are subject to commodity pricing, right? It's, uh, it's, a very, uh, it's a very dynamic market to actually keep an eye on. Uh, but I think there's a third part which is, um, again, back to creating this, this data stream and, and actually helping people become aware. It, it helps the industry make better decisions overall and helps the industry make uh, wise decisions with what to do with this stuff. It helps to allow companies, uh, there's a, a you know, laws have been passed for extended producer responsibility called EPR for packaging companies. Um, I think there are definitely ways uh, for companies to leverage this technology and the ability to see what's in the waste stream and how much of their material is being recycled uh, to um, comply with and also improve their performance in extended producer responsibility programs. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, have... by the way, Colorado is one of the first uh, states. So uh, in the past two years, four states have passed extended producer responsibility laws, Colorado is being one of them. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think awareness is a huge thing. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I just shy away from a lot of things that plastics in particular, if I can. Uh, and if I do, uh, use plastics. I use it a lot. I use, I over and over and over and over again use it. Um, I I'm fascinated by your background because you've got a, a really strong supply chain, manufacturing, and and tech uh, background. Personally, how did that help you in this? Because this is a pivot. What going into this this industry is a pivot, and I think I'm fascinated by pivots. So. Tell me about what you found about your background that really well positioned you for this. Sure. Prior prior to working with Amp Robotics, I worked for a company called Flex. Uh, Flex is one of those very large contract manufacturers and design groups. And um, I've worked in several different areas within Flex. And they are one of the global supply chain companies that do a lot of stuff. Um, so... You know, I really think the biggest place it ties together is the ability to sort of understand systems and the way that that entire processes are working. So designing robotic systems, designing things in the waste industry, you connect design engineering to how we manufacture the products, how you deploy the products. Uh, you have to look at the whole picture when you're doing uh, design and integration um, and design for how the systems will be used in real life. I think if you look over the last few years of the supply chain challenges that the world has been facing, the companies that really thrive, the companies like the Apples and the Teslas of the world, were able to thrive by using design resources to, to design for the supply chain they could get. Uh, so I think it, it really ties back to systems. It's, it's really 
helping the design organization value and respect the complexity of making things and not just thinking about the best way it works for your design, but the best way it works for creating the product, deploying the product, servicing the product in the field. Uh, you have to think about it as a whole, um, particularly in the hardware space. Honestly, hardware is hard. That's what we say in the industry all the time. Um, and uh, it's it's part of uh, the challenges of not just designing a software solution. You, you've got to be capable of building, deploying, and managing what you've put out there in the field. Well, so tech is centric for uh, helping with the sustainability. So I I, I love that. Um, yeah, it's it, I find it interesting on what you just said. It, it, it it's systems, but it's also this whole lot holistic brain you know, mindset. And, and it makes me think of industry 4.0 just across the board. I mean, digital twins and not looking at it like a single uh, chain, but really a big, big network on, you know, from, from uh, raw materials all the way to whoever is consuming it. 100%. I, I, I like to think of it as everybody's standing on the shoulder of giants, right? And it's just we keep stacking these core technologies. And when you get into a system like what AMP builds, um, it's it's really almost like 15 or 20 different technologies that are, are combined together. And, and it's the same thing with Industry 4.0 as a whole. Um, it really has built itself off of the growth in computing platforms. One of the keys to all these neural networks being capable of performing as well as they do nowadays is the advancement in GPUs and, and graphics processing. Um, those advancements that were made, there's there's been several stories told about how gamers help the neural networks work today because these, these graphics cards were built to help gamers do better with their stuff, but it's the same stuff that processes and powers the neural networks. Um, and then when you think about the systems that AMP deploys, there's so much technology that's embedded in the robotics that we use, the Delta robots that we use to harvest or the robots that we build ourselves. There's hydraulics and pneumatic systems that we've built into this. There's optics that allow the cameras to see the materials. Now we're getting into different sensor types and the ability to actually do that. There's industrial automation and the safety components of these things because it's got humans working in and around it. All of these things have to come together to make a successful solution. And I think that's part of what's so cool about robotics nowadays is they're not just that one little six axis arm in a factory that's harvesting parts or that's putting in a fastener. It's it's really a system that's capable of seeing and understanding where the whole system, um, what the system is attempting to accomplish. That becomes the baseline and the starting point now for solutions that we develop. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And it's a little bit daunting. I mean, when I think of emerging technologies all coming together, how do you look at it like, oh, here's the limiting factor because our AI isn't sophisticated enough or we don't have, you know, uh, some of the underlying technology in, in robotics. I mean, how do you look at it as it, it starts, you get more and more sophisticated in this on bringing that all together and, and minimizing the le weakest leak? if that makes sense. Sure. I, I, you know, I think that I'll, I'll answer that just a little bit different and I'll let you, you can let me know if I've answered your question, which is, I think that what's really being unlocked right now with the AI ML solutions that are being created is uh, the ability for these solutions, not just to perform a set of instructions, but to actually make decisions based on information that's being fed to them. That applies to whether we're doing what we're doing here at AMP using the robotics to harvest materials, um, sort of computer vision. Uh, that applies to the autonomy that's being, you know, 
experimented with so many companies, allowing robots and factories to move around independently, allowing cars to potentially be self-driving. That applies to um, you know, the natural language processing um, AI ML solutions that are out there right now. These core things are what's really allowing these solutions to go beyond just following orders to making decisions and improving lives. So I think I think if you keep an eye on those three components of the AI ML, the autonomy components, um, the mobility component and, and its ability to sort of uh, move around and, and do stuff and the ability to perceive or percept, um, whether it's language or visual, these are things that are really going to change the industry, the way we think about robots. This is what takes them from sort of industrial applications to maybe the future of Rosie the robot helping us clean our houses. I lo- <laughs> now you're going back to my George Jetson era. I got a, I got a Jetson I, reference in there, Franny. So that's that, that's a good I, podcast right there. I was before the Transformers, so Rosie the robot. <laughs> I'm good with that. Um, okay, well, awesome. I um, you know what I, I want to ask you when you see the future. Um, what are you most excited about, and what are some of your predictions on? Uh, the speed in which we're going to use these advanced technologies to improve our recycling and sustainability in general. Um, so the first part is I'm very fortunate here in Amprobotics to work with a team of really brilliant people who who create this technology every day. I, I, it's such a, a privilege to, to learn from these folks, and they're really on the cutting edge of where we can deploy some of this. Um, I think that the key that's going to happen, and, and I even saw this recently I, in my previous job, I worked in some of the early stages of voice uh, recognition software and, and echo cancellation and beam forming. And, um, you know, that technology, if you think about, it was not that long ago that you couldn't talk to your smart speakers and you couldn't, you know, tell your lights to turn on and turn off and how quickly three to five years that proliferated through the the marketplace with consumers. I think that same thing's going to happen with AI and ML solutions in the industrial space. We're, we're going to continue to learn. It's been sort of this growth growing IoT sensor uh, environment where you're more aware of what's happening in your factory. Now we're actually using that data to to make decisions and improve the performance of the products in in industrial applications. Uh, When you talk about recycling and sustainability, if you're capable of identifying recyclable materials in the waste stream, it really unlocks so much potential for this industry. I I can see this um, allowing us to extend the life of landfills by getting more of this material out of the waste stream, allowing us to reduce and, and reuse and recycle more where we don't have to go out and mine new materials, um, putting more materials into the waste stream. And as as people then begin to gain confidence in the purity of those materials, I think you'll see that that sort of virtuous cycle where it starts to be used more by producers. Um, I, I think that's really the big gap. You know, we've done a great job of collecting the materials, maybe not as good as we could. We're starting to get better at sorting them. The next part is, okay, how do we make sure we can reuse these materials over and over again? And I think this helps to unlock that by improving those efficiencies and improving the purity of the materials we we collect. Yeah, it seems like we're getting some of that in uh, in uh, fabrics and and you know uh, garments or you know just I'm thinking of, of my rug, my outdoor rug was recycled bottles. 
Exactly. There needs to be a place for this materials to go. And I would love to see a pull coming from, from the producers that says, I want more of this material because I think that's what's going to drive more people into this space. Honestly, I, I have very rarely in my career seen um, a supply chain as limitless as the amount of waste we produce as a, as a country, as a nation, as a world. Uh, if we could actually get people pulling that back through the system, I think that's where you really start to see sustainable change. Well, I'm happy to say that our our uh, bags at uh, Women in Technology was made of recycled materials. Awesome, great, great news. I, I think again, you're going to see more and more of that as we go through, and and I think that um, uh, robotics are a big piece of that that supply chain for sure. Well, Josh, it has been a pleasure to talk to you uh, today about this, and it's exciting that this is a Colorado company that's doing such great work. Uh, that can make a huge impact on our world. We uh, we do something uh, interesting at the end of our uh, podcast. We do rapid fire questions. Um, and so I would like to ask you three questions. So uh, first question is, if you could have dinner with anybody that's either here presently or uh, a historical figure, who would it be? How did we get to the end of this podcast so quickly, Franny? It's amazing how easy it is to chat with you and time flies. Um, the, you know, I I would probably want to talk to somebody who was an inventor, somebody who helped to identify new concepts or it's a little bit of a Renaissance person. I, I've thought about a couple different folks that could be that. Uh, I think the one I would probably pick, I come from Drexel University in Philadelphia. I would probably pick like a Ben Franklin or somebody. I'd love to pick his brain and just sit down and talk with him. He's a humorist. He'd make me laugh. He's got wisdom all over the place. And he's one of those people that helps to invent stuff. I, I would probably pick Ben Franklin. He was shockingly innovative. Uh, the, the man was a Renaissance man, well ahead of his time. And yeah. how he figured out things 250 years ago, I'll never know. Shocking. Literally. Um, okay. So what was the best book you read in 22? Best book is tough. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, first of all, I'm an audiobook addict more than a, a reader at this point. I, I tend to listen to my books while I'm driving or, or out for some exercise. Um, probably one of the more inspirational books uh, that I read recently. I, I read the book called The Power of One by Ed Milet. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that book. Uh, just kind of about, you're going to get knocked down. You got to just do one more, just just do one more thing and, and, and you'll find your success doing that. That was one of the things that I enjoyed reading the most. Um, then I read a lot of other sort of um, books for entertainment and, and stuff that doesn't require me to think too much. But I really enjoyed that Power of One. I thought that was a... Um, uh, a sort of a motivator, especially for somebody working in industry trying to do something hard. I have not read that, so I appreciate that. Uh, and I, my last one is, uh, what's your favorite pat- podcast? Aside from this one, of course. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my podcast too, so I'm now a part of this with you, Franny. Um, I, you know, the industry we work in, uh, I've been a part of uh, an industrial uh, job Pretty much my whole career, I, I've either been in manufacturing uh, in the electronic space. I started in cast iron foundry, of all things, believe it or not, uh, way back when. Um, so I really value what these industries do. I, I've taken a lot from the remember the old TV show Dirty Jobs. 
Um, Mike Rowe, I, I really love what he does. I think that uh, he's a little bit of a hero for me. And uh, he has a new podcast called The Way We The Way The Way I Heard It. And uh, I really enjoy that podcast. It sort of represents a lot of the these jobs and these functions like the waste industry that that help keep society moving. And um, I love hearing those backstories. They're fascinating. And uh, he's got some amazing, an amazing way to tell a story. Let's put it that way. Well, I will uh, look that one up as well. I, I was a big fan of dirty jobs. It was always very interesting. And sometimes you, you know, you turn on your water or you turn on your stove and, and you just forget all the things that had to happen to make that a, a reality. And I, I love his, his messages. Well, Josh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for your time today. Uh, and uh, look forward to the next time we get to hear about what Amp Robotics is doing. Awesome. Thanks so much, Franny. Appreciate the opportunity. And that's our episode. Thank you for listening to Colorado Voices on Tech. 